Hello everyone, welcome to Melee Matters. This is the Military and Veterans Affairs channel on Maine's most widely listened to podcast. My name is Colonel Retired Jack Mosier. Today we're going to talk about what's most prevalent in the news, the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban. It's been pretty much wall-to-wall coverage in the mainstream media and every other podcast. Seems like everybody's got something to say about it. And frankly, I, I have to apologize for not for not speaking on it sooner. It's just taken me a week to kind of get my mind around the images and realities that were being presented with on a daily basis, not to mention the uh, the political fallout discussions and statements being made. It just seems like every every minute there's something new coming out that's just more outrageous than the previous day. I, like you, sat watching my news feed of the, uh, the rapid advance of the Taliban, the fall of the Afghan government, images at Kabul International Airport, our uh, planes taking off from the, air, from the runway of the airport, with Afghan citizens literally falling from the sky. I mean, I just, I just couldn't believe my eyes. And it's been very, very difficult. It seems like everybody has something to say about it. All the talking heads, political figures seem to have some great insight on this matter, most of whom, of course, know more than they understand or have never been in Afghanistan in their lives. Half of them don't know the difference between an Afghan and an Afghani. They're constantly referring to the Afghani military and the Afghani people versus the Afghan military and the Afghan people. Afghani is, of course, their currency. So much for the lesson on correctness, but I, I did put some notes down just so I'd, I could articulate through my passion what's what's been going on. And I did so in a, in a, in a brief open letter to President Biden, our commander-in-chief, and I'm trying not to get overly political in my remarks on this podcast, but it's kind of a difficult thing when it's all political, as always, always political. But I would be remiss if I didn't first address my fellow Afghan veterans out there. There's there's almost 800,000 of us, 20,000 who have been catastrophically injured, and of course, over 2,000, they gave all as their families are now Gold Star families. So to them, I say the following. It's clearly a very, very emotional thing for me to think of the service and sacrifice of an entire generation ending in this manner. But I want to assure you, I want to tell you that in no way, shape, or form does the current catastrophe we're witnessing unfold on the plains of Afghanistan reflect on the honorable service any more than the fall of Saigon, Korea, other conflicts that didn't end really the way that we probably would have wanted, in no way sullies the service of those who toiled there. And I want to reassure those families and my fellow Afghan veterans that we 
have the responsibility to bear the humility, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, as our Vietnam veterans in our, our country's largest cohort now of veterans is our Vietnam veterans, they demonstrated for us. After seeing the fall of Saigon, they have gone on as a generation to lead us. We have a great kinship with them as a non-symmetrical, you know, non-linear asymmetrical war fight. Um, our, our Vietnam veterans thankfully have stepped forward to, to mentor and guide us as they enter their 50, 55, almost 60 years now since the conclusion of their conflict. So Afghan veterans and families, let's remember that 80% of the Afghan population was born and raised during our time there in that country. They now have an alternative viewpoint to their experience in the human condition. They, are, they know things now, such as self-determination, governance, representative governance, the rule of law, educational and economic opportunity, however flawed. It is still an incredible example that we've been able to provide them, one that cannot be diminished or extinguished as a spark of human hope, kindness, and the possibilities that the human uh, endeavor in Afghanistan can become someday. That generation knows that because of you. Every bottle of water you handed out, every book you delivered to a school, every well you drilled, every fight that you fought to, to, to diminish the threat of terrorists, extremists, that legacy endures in Afghanistan. And there's a population of young people out there that will not go back. They cannot and will not be oppressed or suppressed, even by a regime such as the Taliban. You set that fire, and it will continue to burn and smolder until Afghan citizens will once again rule their own country in their own way and in their own manner and have the freedom. We have to remember that Afghanistan used to be an enlightened civilization. Back in the 70s and the 60s, people went there for pilgrimages. They were women doctors and politicians, and it wasn't this prehistory primal culture that the Taliban represent. Afghanistan will be a place that at some point I'll be able to return to and bring my children there and show them those majestic mountains and beautiful fertile plains. Someday during my lifetime, we will all be able to do that and go back and see those places, those beautiful rivers, beautiful mountains, in the kind people that were there. I really resent tremendously the implication that Afghan citizens and Afghan soldiers did not and will not fight for their own country. It's an absurd statement. It's ridiculous. It's demeaning. And it's untrue. Afghan security forces have given over 60,000 of their lives in the defense of their country. Let's not forget that, Mr. Biden. Your dismissive comments, incomprehensible as they were, 
in your first statement coming off vacation. Again, I'm trying not to get political about this with the most outrageous comments to date. And they haven't gotten much better since then. Listening to the Secretary of Defense explain that we don't have the capability to bring our own citizens home. We can't, we don't even know how many are there. How is it possible that we have American citizens in a war zone and we don't have accountability of them in numbers or their locations? The State Department is a lead agency unable to identify where these where these Americans and our allies are located. And to say that we don't have the capability to go out, find them, and bring them back, as France is, as the British government is. I remember my grandfather's generation that liberated entire continents of oppressors and evil regimes and saved the world from certain doom. And we can't even save ourselves right now in Afghanistan. That being an open admission from our Secretary of Defense, it's just it's just mind-boggling. Again, without getting deep into the political aspect of this. But Afghan veterans, let's not forget the challenge that we walked into there. An 80% illiteracy, illiteracy rate in that country. They had been at war at that point for 30 years. The Soviet occupation, the Civil War, the Taliban occupation. The country was destroyed when we arrived. There's a 20% child mortality rate there. The life expectancy at that time of an Afghan citizen was 37 years. It was a heavy load. We put our shoulders to the wheel and we pushed and we pushed. And we bled and we toiled for 20 years. While most American citizens couldn't even point out Afghanistan on a map. They don't even know where it is. It had fallen off the face of the American media as a conflict and as a strategic objective. Both politically and in the media and in the minds of the American people. Although we were still generating casualties, people were still being injured and killed. They just didn't care about Afghanistan until now. Now, let's not obscure what's happening now with the decision to pull out of Afghanistan. That, 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 that train has left the station. We know that. That, that was decided over multiple, multiple administrations. So let's not, you know, mask the catastrophe we're currently recognizing right now with the political vagaries of whether we should have been there, whether we should have pulled out as soon as we did. There's a process for this. As a day one command and general staff college student, you learn about ends, ways, and means. That's the basic strategic framework for making operationally sized strategic decisions in getting big forces and moving big things. How we invaded Normandy, for example. How we do these things are driven by the end, the end state, what do we want to accomplish? The way to do it, what is the best methodology, logistically, logistically speaking, 
And then the means, with what and how? I mean, there are very, very smart majors sitting in sweaty little rooms in operational uh, planning cells throughout the military that plan these things out. What the fuck happened? What happened in this operation that has left us from the decision to pull out of Afghanistan and relinquish our responsibilities there to Afghan citizens falling from the sky from our aircraft or being crushed in the wheel wells of those same aircraft? At what point did it become okay to roll a C-17 down a runway filled with human beings as they cling to the sides of the aircraft? When did that become okay in our military? At what point did someone just not say, stop, stop what we are doing, let's reassess, establish security, and come out with a plan? Say nothing about the velocity of the the, uh, Taliban takeover of Afghanistan, the failures of intelligence, the failure to establish a full accountability of our own people and our Afghan allies. We now sit strategically in the worst of all possible positions. We are not feared, we are not liked, and we are not respected. It's a hazardous position to be in. It's terrible. If you look at the four element the four elements of national power, diplomatic, information, military and economic, under this current situation, our displo- our diplomacy is in is at risk completely clearly at this point. We've got leaders of foreign nations haranguing us for this disaster. The information is all over the place. You've got Pentagon spokesmen talking about the fact that we've got al-Qaeda presence in Afghanistan 20 minutes after the president says there is no al-Qaeda presence in Afghanistan. Militarily, we've taken a huge black eye. It's incredible to watch Taliban fighters driving through the streets of Kabul, all over the country, not just Kabul, in our vehicles that we left there carrying M4s, night vision goggles, 240Bs, our drones and Blackhawks laying about unsecured in Taliban hands. These are sensitive pieces of equipment and expensive to the American taxpayers. No plan to get this stuff out? No plan to secure it? It's just mind-boggling, militarily speaking, that we can't secure the actual extraction point in Kabul beyond the gates of the actual, the actual airport. The relinquishing again of Bagram as the logistics hub for the entire theater, just leaving it to be looted when an overnight exit is just shocking. As an operational planner, I don't understand it. I just can't get my mind around it. And I'm not sitting here just being, you know, a second guesser from my dining room table at China Lake Man. I'm telling you, I don't get it at any level how this was allowed to happen and has left the country in peril this way. Say nothing of our morale. 
So yes, diplomatic, information, military, economically, our economy is flagging. Should be a massive, a massive uh, recovery with a with a recovery from our COVID nineteen restrictions. A whole different discussion. But we're not in the same place we used to be. How can we look China, Iran, Russia in the eye for for their aggressions in Taiwan, in Ukraine, anywhere in the world and have people trust us? Again, not being liked or trusted matters in this world. If you can't be liked and you can't be respected, you better be feared. What's to fear? As we're asking the Taliban, please, guys, let us get our citizens out, if you don't mind, rather than dropping the 82nd Airborne into Kabul and pushing out through the outskirts of Kabul to secure a real safety zone there to allow people to move freely to the airport, a secure hub, if you have to use Kabul at all, and then establish routes by which people can get from the country to that extraction hub. But sitting there with a force shoulder to shoulder, back to back, literally against the corner, relying upon the the good humor and grace of the Taliban to let our citizens out, who are functionally, they're functionally hostages at this point, say nothing about what's really happening out there in the countryside in those hamlets, in those cities, outside of the the view of the American and world media, one can only imagine. It's just just almost too much to get my mind around this morning and and articulate it. It's it's just, it's bothering, it's it's a lot. I'm not being very articulate right now because I'm so emotional about it. What we need, Mr. Biden in this administration, including the military, is an articulate, cogent, well-planned extraction, one, of our citizens, two, of our Afghan, Afghan allies. Our credibility as a nation is at stake here. This can be rescued and must be rescued, and quickly. Get on it. I don't want to hear about, oh, we got 2,000 out today. We got 1,000 out today. What is the overall plan here? And can somebody stand up in front of a podium with some degree of optimism and security tell us what's going to happen to, to rescue the situation? Because the, the consequences are dire. As we've been sitting here for the last seven months, and really the last four years, wrangling as a country over political expediencies and trying to decide how we want to look as a nation, the world around us has changed and changed drastically because they're not going to wait for us to figure out whether we're a racist society or not. They don't care. They know America is not a player right now as our cities are burning, crime-infested cities. They're going to do their thing regardless. And that's going to be China. It's going to be Russia. It's going to be our adversaries. Let's not try to paint a pretty picture here. China is our adversary. 
clearly Russia, our adversary, and now an emboldened element of ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, whichever form it takes today, is going to be out there and doing what they do best, which is break things and blow things up. Because there's no restraint on that. And now they have a new training ground of unrestricted movement to do this. And that is the tragedy of it all. This is going to get worse before it gets better. And my confidence in what's happening right now, and probably many of our American citizens, are likewise concerned about this administration's ability to pull it together. I just, uh, I just wish that they could get on message, stay on message, and articulate and execute a real plan to get our citizens out, get our Afghan allies out, and then secure our country in a manner that will allow us to propel forward in a unified manner. The, the, the derision and divisiveness that's been sown in our own population will not serve us. There's going to have to be unanimity for our very survival within our lifetimes, probably within this next generation. Every generation of Americans is a great generation. This is not to detract or diminish the greatest generation, which I've already referred to, my grandfather being one of them, and my grandmother and my, my older relatives. But every generation is measured by the weight of the task before it. I have nothing but optimism and enthusiasm for our current generation out there. I know they like to be, people like to write them off as video game basement dwelling snowflakes. I don't believe that. I see this generation and in this generation, great promise. They will be the next great generation of our American heritage. We're counting on you. Put your shoulders to the wheel and push and get our country moving in the right direction with the right priorities, defending our national strategic interests and, and, and elevating not just America, but the world upon the promise with which it was founded. My name is Colonel Jack Mosier. God bless our veterans. God bless our soldiers out there, our sailors, our airmen, our Marines. God bless our American citizens. I will tell you if nobody else will, we will come, we will get you, we will bring you home. I believe that that's America's responsibility in our Afghan allies and allies around the world. You can count on America. We will get our act together. The resilience of this country has been proven over and over and over again in times darker than this one. So, President Biden, leaders in our country, leaders in our communities, let us lock arms and move forward together. This is Colonel Jack Mosier for Mainly Matters and the our military and Veterans Affairs channel. Thank you for listening.